Welcome to the Red to Black podcast, hosted by Werner Minchel, ex-Marine aviator and current real estate investor, and Mario Parzino, current Marine infantry officer and business investor. Good evening, everyone. This is Warner with the Red to Black podcast. I'm a former Marine aviator, current real estate investor. We have a guest, Justin Howe. Please introduce yourself. Hey, uh, yeah, it's Justin Howe and then Konnichiwa from uh, Japan. Um, I'm actually an uh, uh, aviator myself. Uh, I would say a beginner uh, real estate investor. I have uh, several properties uh, you know, that I still hold. And just happy to be here. Uh, you know, current pilot. Um, flying the uc-35 so uh, really excited and mario yeah mario parzino spent a few years in the marine corps with warner still currently in so Justin and i are still active duty i own a little bit of real estate and i also have some private business deals that i've worked myself into over the last few years uh, happy to be here as well great so for everyone tonight we're going to be discussing how do you increase your travel mobility in an unfree world and the first topic we're covering is creating options. So we're going to hand it over to our guest, Justin. What are, you, what are your thoughts on creating options when it comes to travel mobility? Well, uh, I think there's uh, s- several things that you, know, you, you could, should consider um, with options in, in traveling. Um, one is you know, the, the, the idea of... Uh, community organizing and 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 maybe you know whether or not you need to own a car or not own a car uh, and uh, peer-to-peer networks you know uh, utilizing you know public transportation uh, versus you know purchasing uh, your own car uh, which depending upon where you live and what your goals are you know you, you really could save yourself uh, quite a bit. Awesome. So what I'm hearing is it's it's specific, it's specific to your location, just specific to your needs. Mario, what do, what are your thoughts? Uh, Justin's right. You can take a huge, massive depreciation hit by driving a brand new BMW off the parking lot. Uh, it's, it's it's massive hit for a young guy in their twenties. Uh, I'm I'm uh I'm approaching rapidly approaching my fortieth birthday, and I drive a twenty one year old Toyota 4Runner. And I bought it used uh, 19 years ago. Had 10,000 miles on it, so I'm I'm in favor of owning a pickup truck or a body-on-frame SUV that's ba- basically a pickup truck, but it's got a covered back seat and back bed area. Um, I think pickup trucks offer you high, high durability, and they actually last really, really, really long time. If you take care of a pickup truck, it basically will last you the rest of your life. So uh, I'm in favor of owning one pickup truck with high utility and high durability. Yeah. So what's what's funny about that is, Justin, I don't know if you know, but I bought a, a 2014 Toyota Tundra. Mara, you don't know that Justin's got a Toyota 4Runner, and then you have a Toyota. So we have three Toyotas in this. That's interesting. <laughs> um, but one one thing I'd like to add to that is one thing I think that's completely mis not not completely misrepresented, but underrepresented is your ability to walk. What are your guys' thoughts, Justin? What are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I mean, a great point. I mean, the 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 idea of you know utilizing your your, your body for transportation, you know, 
comes at a cost because you have to have food and you know uh, stay stay hydrated and and you know have have good meals and good health. Uh, yet they're they're you know cost saving ways of uh, you know moving around. You know you you can walk walk to work location. Uh, you know live in a community where you know you're able to you know get around and and, and tend to all your needs. Um, was just, you know, walking grocery store, uh, you know, uh, entertainment, uh, cafes, restaurants, you know, uh, it is to be said that to live in a walkable neighborhood, you know, almost cuts out that whole idea of the need for transportation. Yeah, great, great. So basically, also, in terms of travel mobility, thinking about the community you're going to be in, and, and how, how large that community is, whether or not you can walk that community, it all fits in, it fits in the place. So thinking about your community. Now, Mario, what are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so walking is one of the most healthy things you can actually do. Um, basically, and it also provides you two things. One, you're getting from point A to point B. You're burning some calories while you're doing that. And also, is you have time to think. When you're driving or you're running or you're riding a bike or you're doing something that's a little bit more dynamic, it's you're thinking about not crashing. You're, you're taking in a lot. You're, you're like sensory overload when you're driving a vehicle. When you're walking, it's so slow that your brain is able to process everything and also think. So for me on the weekends, I love to park my, my truck on the weekends and walk around. I do uh, at least an hour on Saturday, just getting some vitamin D shirt off, walk for an hour. And it really helps me think. I could be running, I could be swimming, I could be bicycling, but walking to me is an opportunity to really think through some problems. And I'm trying to, you know, look at the chessboard and figure out what are my next, at least one or two or three moves. So yeah, walking is super healthy and cathartic. Yeah, so coming from two different angles, yeah, great, great thoughts on both, on both your parts. Basically, one's the community and the ability, you know, position yourself in a spot where you can walk and you're spending less time in your vehicle. And another one is, you know, the ability to think and walk and, and get your body on point. So any, anything else you guys have to add about around walking or excuse me, not, not necessarily just walking, but around creating options. Cause we haven't even gotten to planes and boats. Yeah. So Warner, I'll jump in here. So basically what I want to have in my life is multiple options. And uh, really, it basically, it, 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 it produces an ability to maneuver away from human misbehavior. So if I've got a pickup truck and I also have a Cessna 206, I've got some options in my life. Uh, and private aviation is, is absolutely possible if you split it down to a, a reasonable uh, cost that you can write off on your business expenses. So if it's a business, if you're, if you're air, air, air airplane and your fuel and your maintenance and your hangar is all part of your business as an expense, it's actually quite doable. So uh, Warner and I are just looking, the first plane we'd like to get into is uh, Cessna 206. Justin, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that prospect is uh, encouraging, you know. Um, I, I, I currently fly the uh, uh, Citation uh, 560 and, uh, you know, yeah. and, and just... A faster, a little bit faster. Yeah, but I mean, just having just having those legs, uh, uh, you know, being able to circumvent like thunderstorms, uh, you know, it's pretty dependable, reliable, fast, uh, and, and flies high. You know, the the, the ceiling is uh, you know uh, 
uh, 450, so flight level 450 at 45,000 feet. So you pretty much can get over just about any any piece of weather that, that you know could be out there. So in particular, uh, in the in the United States, you know you, you can reach just about any place in in the, in the mode of travel, uh, the convenience of the travel. But uh, you know the the uh, I think it will work best as a collaborative effort. Uh, just just for example, right. you know I. I, I own a boat, you know, uh, this myself, I own it with, you know, my uncle, uh, and, and my brother. Uh, so we split the cost of just like, just putting that cost, you know, one has allowed me to one retain ownership of that boat. Cause now I'm in Japan and I've been living in Japan for the last two years paying for this boat. Uh, but two, you know, uh, you know, it, it is, is a timeshare almost, you know, if I go back to the DC metropolitan area, you know, then I have a place to stay, you know, what, with no, with no, uh, you know, not having to worry about, you know, uh, inconveniencing any friends or family, um, in, instead of a place where it's walkable. All right. So we got a, we got a citation and a boat. So I'm, I'm way behind here, but yeah, Warner and I are looking at the, the 206 just to basically build ours and then we'll step up to a Pilatus. I think it's a P C 12, P PC 12, PC six. Yeah. PC or NG 12. Justin, I forget. I haven't looked at it in a bit. Yeah, well, I, I'll just tell you this. You know, I I, I just became a uh, NATOPS instructor in the uh, in the Citation 560. So, you know, I, I'll, be, I'll be looking forward to uh, you know doing some flight instruction. That's right. We're gonna bring you on. Yeah, we're gonna bring you on. Oh yeah, we we would lo we would love to get some from you. Yeah. So basically, if you hit if you're going across country and you hit some nasty weather you can pop up. You don't have to necessarily fly around the weather. You can actually just kind of get over on top of the weather and fly on, over and over, above it. Is that correct? That, that, that is absolutely correct. There's, there's been several times, you know, just uh, on the on our normal transit from mainland Japan back here to Okinawa where, you know, the tops are sitting around 38 to 40,000 feet. And, uh, you know, we just fly over top of it. So, I mean, you, you see all the thunderstorm activity down below. Uh, it's a great way to, you know, uh, not have to waste a lot of fuel. Uh, so, yeah. you know, because the, the profile to get up there is, is you know, the, typically the higher you go, the, the less fuel you burn. Uh, so uh, be, being up at those altitudes, you know, you, your fuel burn, you know, drops, you know, pretty much two, two thirds. Uh, from around a thousand pounds per engine to about you know two hundred fifty to three hundred pounds per engine up at flight level, so it's uh, it's, it's called cost savings as well. For the purpose of time, guys, let's move on to the next one, which is 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 one one of our great things. Martin, I've been talking about Justin, which I know you are a big fan of. Is how do you live with less? And I'll hand it over to you, Justin. Your thoughts on that? Oh. <laughs> Living with less, you know, is uh, you know just being minimalistic uh, as much as you can. Is is you know both a you know uh, something you really have to think about um, on, on what what is essential for your life, uh, as well as you know make making sure you maintain the needs of your family. Um, and, and I think that 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 is the the, the constant struggle uh, is. You know how 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 do you you know keep things simple yet uh, provide uh, as your family uh, changes? You know, uh, so I, I I find that you know as what works for me before I buy anything new, we have to we have to donate some things to 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 go away, uh, and that just keeps down the clutter and, and keeps life 
as as simple as it can be. Yeah, that's that's a phenomenal point because Lydia and I, I don't think I've shared with you, Justin, Mario knows, we've been basically li- moving out of our tundra. We've been moving for the last year and a half since the pandemic, going from Hawaii to California to Wyoming where I bought a, a building, like a 300-unit apartment building, back to California, drove to Wyoming, or to, to sorry, to Miami. Oh yeah, I drove back to so so I so we've been learning how to live with with just enough equipment that fits in a a short bed Toyota Tundra, you know, the extended crew cab with the 5.5 I think length bed. And so I know exactly what you're saying, Justin, because we're actually in a situation where it's like, no, there's nothing else I can fit in here. What are we getting rid of? So that's an ex that's an excellent point, Mario. What are your thoughts? Yeah, to me, it's about the Pareto principle or really value. So I'm going to get 80% of my value from 20% of my possessions. So if I haven't touched something in a year, it needs to get sold or it needs to be donated or I need to find somebody that's going to get some use out of it. Um, you really you really can have minimal things in life. And if, one, it frees you up to be mobile, like Warner said, is with less stuff in your life holding you down, you can move a lot quicker than most people. And then two... You, your mind is freer. Like if you have a bunch of clutter in your house or there's a bunch of things you have to clean or maintain or put away, uh, it makes a cluttered mind. If you have a very minimalist setup, uh, you again, you have more time to think and less time to clean and, and move things and stack things and organize things. And the clutter, to me, the clutter is, is, is not only is it physical, it's mental. Over to you guys. That's a great, that's a great, great point, Mario. Like when we talk about like, the 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 clutter in your house is is both physical and mental you know uh that that is huge because you know it is it's a reflection of you know of of your mental state is a is a reflection of you know um how how much you try in, to juggle you know whether that is like you know like like mario you were saying like you know you have to constantly clean you know you have to constantly fix this you you're you're putting constantly putting this away because they, you know your, your children are always pulling it out uh little pieces everywhere uh so it's it's just it's important just to you know try to get things as streamlined and efficient as you can because you That's know it. it's an organizational thing that also occurs in your head you know because your, your your mind to be organized in line as well and be most efficient now you're right it's efficiency that's basically it boils down to efficiency the less things you own the more efficient you're going to be if you can just if you have a concrete bunker you live in and you can power wash it uh, twice a week literally in, inside you could power wash the thing that's how quickly you could clean it you, you're more efficient than a guy that's got to like dust and move everything off then dust and move everything back on move to the next area take this down clean all the pictures you got hanging up it's just the, the faster you can do things and you want to live in a clean spot like if, if you don't have time to to clean you own too much stuff or you own too big of a house <laughs> actually i have a funny story which justin will laugh about when we moved justin myself and uh, Nick Majka, who we'll have on the show at some point, we we moved into a house in North Carolina, and Justin and I both brought our. We did not follow this principle at all in terms of our couches, because we both had this long ass. Um, <laughs> we had two L-shaped couches, and and it looks. I don't know, Justin, you take it from here, Justin. You could tell how. Remember how that looked? Yeah, it was ridiculous. Uh, it was like you know a hog pod. 
collage of just, you know, furniture, you know, I mean, the room was pretty large, but, you know, it was, it was just, just so much, uh, you know, stuff everywhere. Two TVs, um, two big, two, two, two TVs. large 15 screen TVs. Yeah. And, and, and that was so long ago. I actually had the, uh, the rolling, uh, 50 inch projector, you know, and I was like the big, so I. I, had you know? <laughs> I mean, it was like a piece of furniture. If you think about it, you know, like the, the size and the scale, it had its own wheels and it, you know, it was the, the, the projecting projector TV. And we thought, you know, we were cool as a uh, sliced bread, you know, back then, but a couple um, of pilots, a couple of pilots, just too, too fast, man, too fast, and, uh, too much stuff. Yeah. And then, and then we had our, we had, we had all our crap down in the basement and then a hurricane was coming. We were arguing. I was, I was telling Justin and Nick, like, get out of here. It's going to flood. And they're like, I don't know if we should. I'm like, you guys are idiots. Get your crap out of here. So I finally convinced them. So we moved all our crap. We were just like moving crap up and down, up and down to get away from the hurricane and it flooded four feet up. Then we moved it back down. Yeah, those are those were those were fun times. North Carolina is near and dear to my heart. And this is kind of transition into the next point is that uh, if you've got a pickup truck and you live minimally and you have a aircraft, you have a Cessna two hundred six, a Pilatus, or a Cessna Citation, and you're still doing well and you're still making some money, maybe you can afford some nautical mobility. Uh, I'm more into power boats. I'm more into fishing boats than sailboats. I think sailboats are a lot of work, and you need a crew. Um, I like to kind of throw the throttles and get up on plane, but um, that's that kind of third asset in your life where it's actually very doable and it provides you another option. I watched guys in North Carolina kind of ride out the first part of the pandemic on their boat out in the Outer Banks. They just kind of loaded it up with rice and beans and they pulled out out into uh, the Pamlico Sound and then anchored up. And I'm like, a lot of these guys can stay a long time with the asset they were on because they can make their own water. They can do desalination. Uh, they've got a generator on board. They basically, they got a lot of solar capability. It's just another option. And, and oh, by the way, you can catch a bunch of fish. So it's pretty cool. Justin, any thoughts on that? Oh, I mean, a, a, a man of his own heart. I, I absolutely love the water and I love, you know, being on the water in any capacity, whether that's stand up paddle board, swimming, uh, diving name it um but you know the same token when i was in hawaii i um i, I bought a uh i bought a you know parker sport center console 25 foot you know as a uh, two johnson 115 uh out we, bro- we broke we broke down on it yeah on yeah <laughs> but it was, such, it, it was such a crappy boat you know but i mean it was it was, it was nice and, and, it, and it's you know very economical but yeah not not so reliable you know like yeah like warner said you know we, we had some engine problems one time going out uh we made it right by gilligan's island <laughs> we 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 made it back but uh you know um you know i wasn't really trying to stick a whole lot of money in the boat uh you know i just wanted to you know kind of get around and you know uh really just get to the sandbar we did a little bit of light fishing uh but you know i, I fell in love with the boat and i'm like ah oh, well you know at some point you know i'm i'm going to i'm going to you know stick some money in this thing and, and you know you know shine this penny up uh, uh per se uh so i took the boat and the boat's sitting uh right now in, in richmond in storage so when i get out you know i'm going to get right get right back to it but um you know and then you know, uh, an unfortunate um, acquisition, but, you know, like, you know, I had an uncle that, you know, just loved, um, you know, uh, boats and, you know, he had the Silverton 43 yacht uh, and, un, you know, short notice, 
um, you know, got cancer and, and passed away very quickly. Um, so, and, and we just loved it. The fact that, you know, he loved boating so much, you know, and it had us out in the water all the time that, you know, uh, we, t we took that over, you know, to, to continue that legacy, um, of, uh, you know, having folks down and giving them the opportunity to go out and ride the Potomac and, you know, go sightsee Haynes point, uh, national mall, you name it. Um, so, I love it. You know, I, I, I grew up on the water. Every place I've been has been on the water, you know, in the ocean, whether that's Virginia Beach, San Diego, Hawaii, now here in Japan at Okinawa. Yeah, great. Uh, I think you and you, because Mario's plan, Justin's plan to move back Virginia, Mario's plan to move back North Carolina. So I think you guys will definitely link up on the, uh, on the water. So getting to more of what we're saying in terms of, of travel mobility it's a great idea to start whether or not you're you know you have a boat a plane obviously you have a car unless you're amish maybe you have a buggy or you're walking hey do the, the amish have a lot of things figured out you know this this whole pandemic is i'm like man they got some things figured out but i want to go back to what justin said about you know kind of he's he's going to take this from a different angle as a pilot but what 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 boating has taught me is about preparation and, and really preparing for the worst, the worst case scenario. So I want to get on the boat and make it back safely home at the end of the day when a lot of things go wrong. A lot of people will jump on that boat and they can make it back if everything goes right. But as soon as they start running into some issues or some hurdles, they're calling CETO or they're, they're even in a worse, worse situation where they're calling the U.S. Coast Guard. So I really, it's taught me about safety protocols from a different angle. I got a little bit from the Marine Corps, uh, you know, running around with 50 guys in uh, community projects overseas. But boating to me has really brought me back to planning a mission and planning for the worst case scenario, watching the weather, watching us even throughout the day. You know, you can choose the weather window you run offshore. You know, the Gulf Stream from where I fish out of is 44 miles. It takes 44 miles to run out there a couple hours, patrol for six hours, and you got a 44 mile run back in when you're tired and beat up and, you know, not, in, not, not fresh. And, uh, you really, you can't choose the weather to run back in on. So you want that boat in perfect condition when you, uh, when you go offshore. Okay. So Justin, what are your thoughts on what Mario said in terms of, uh, in terms of how, how the boat shapes, shapes your personality? I mean, I, I like, I like Mario's approach when it when it comes down to using the fundamentals of uh, protocols and safety and briefing and all the tools that he learned while in the military uh, to to approach that the same way. Um, it is different, you know, to to go out and I, I've never you know gone offshore forty four miles, but I could imagine. At 44 miles, you can look in all directions and just see ocean. And for me, that's, you know, that's, that's a pretty scary thought. You know, if the current or the boat didn't perform, you know, what, what, what safety measures, um, what, 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 what did you do? Uh, what should you do uh, to, to ensure that, you know, if things were to go awry while underway that you're, you're going to be found or you have, you're going to get back in. It's, 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 it's a little different, you know, but, you know, I, I think taking that same approach um, that 
I do for flying uh, translates a little bit, you know, and I'm, it's more low risk for me because I'm probably always in cell phone range, but, you know, just, just briefing the crew, um, checking the weather, like Mario said, and, and understanding, uh, you know, the depths, you know, because when, when you're rolling on the river, the channel, uh, but to the same token, not, not everything that the Coast Guard says should be at the right depths are there. So you really have to take a, you know, close look at, you know, the paths you choose and, and monitoring your, your uh, instrumentation that, you know, you, you don't run your boat aground. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. So taking it to the next step is when you have your car or your boat or your plane, what are your, what are your procedures? How do you operate that? How do you think about your emergency procedures? Like I listen to this, this Delta force guy, I, I forget his name, but he always like his car is always prepped. Not not only to protect himself, it's also prep to save someone else's life, and and we don't necessarily think about that, right? The more prepped you are, maybe you're not saving your life on the water, you're saving someone else's life. So, improving your travel mobility is all about having options, living with less, but also living with less means whatever you're living with, you you have a you have an SOP, a standard operating procedure, to work through any scenario. So I think, yeah, that's all great advice from you both. And uh, what's the next, what are, what are we focused on next, Mario? Is it private or do you want to go back? Yeah, yeah, go for it. I just want to go back to kind of, no, I want to go back. Let's, yeah, let's drop anchor. Let's drop anchor, anchor here because there's, there's some gravy. There's some gravy. So uh, number one is having a clear mind. So like I said, it's 44 miles out. And you're, you're actually in international waters. You're not in America anymore. When you leave. 12 miles so three miles out you left the state of north carolina you're now in federal water and then you run out to 12 miles you cross that 12 miles you're, you're actually in international water and believe it or not there's still pirates there's still some pretty crazy things that happen out there drug drug guys running running stuff up from the caribbean from the bahamas etc up to new york so one is just having a clear mind uh, there's a lot of substances that guys abuse when they get they get relaxed they're on vacation or they're, they're, they're at the saturday off and the weather's perfect and they're like you know, I'm going to crank through some, some substances and they're not, they just don't have a clear mind. So like one is, is have a, have a clear mind and a good boat. And then second is like radio communications. Talk to your friends, talk to other boaters and basically talk to the U S coast guard, talk to other ships, let them know what you're doing. Basically let them, let, let your moves be predictable. Let other ships know where you're at. Let them know, okay, I'm on the fish, you know, be it, be a good, good, good fisherman and be a good friend out there. And that, that helps you out a lot, man. If you have three, if you get in trouble and three, three boats show up immediately because you've been talking to them all day on the radio and you've been, you know, maybe passing a few jokes or complimenting guys on their boat or, you know, encouraging guys to get on the fish, man, you got some friends out there that's just based on your radio communication. So good boat, good comms. It goes a long way and maybe an EPIRB. Yeah. Justin, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think what Mario was saying is just, you know, uh, just, just all smart moves and things uh, you need to consider if 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 you're going to go out that far um the 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 important thing there is like you know you you're, you're maintaining relationships you know and and these are mutually supporting relationships uh, that's right that you have you have to consider you know that you know just like on uh we, you know in aviation we have fingers is uh one two three four five and and that that is for anyone to you know hey what's going on this or that but you know, if you find yourself, uh, you know, on uh, distress, uh, 
you have another channel for that. So in the same, same in the Marine world, uh, there's, you know, ways to communicate, uh, ways to stay mutually supporting. And you have to be up on those, uh, on those C2, uh, nodes to, to, to be able to reach out and to, um, you know, listen, but also, uh, broadcast a, uh, distress message if, if, if needed. So, yeah, those are, those are what I, what I'm hearing in both those points is for people listening to the show, most of us in, in the world are, are going around in cars or on foot and there's usually people around. So if you're thinking about going into another realm, not if you're thinking we're, we're, we're committed to supporting you through, through this, through our message to, to enroll you in going into another realm, whether it's boating, aviation, so you have options, but in those realms, you're, you're in the sky where there's not, there's not many people around and you're on, or you're on a open water where there's not many people around. So communication and understanding how you communication, whether you're going lost communications in your aircraft or even lost communications in a boat, understanding how to deconflict that is essential. So I think those are those are essential points. Yeah, Warner. So there's also another thing about risk mitigation. So we got to take some risk in life. It's going to be miserable if you don't take any risk. If you lock yourself in your house and uh, just be a minimalist with your risk profile, your life's going to be pretty miserable. But you want to take calculated risks. So as soon as I see like thunderstorms, right? I see my I'm checking my cell phone or I'm offshore. It's as soon as the first sign, hey man, things are changing. The, atmos- the atmospherics are changing. I need to start rolling. I'm going to start moving back to my friendly position. I, I learned this in the Marine Corps. It's, it's basically the atmospherics have changed. Like the dynamic of the situation has changed. I'm, 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 set, I'm headed for a harbor. And I, I'm saying this, uh, that I, I really do this in real life on a boat, but I'm saying this also is a good idea in business is that at the first sign of an issue, it's, it's, it's safer, it's safest, and it's the best practice to start heading for calmer waters. And uh, I think a lot of guys, they get over their skis. When, it's, when, when everybody else is optimistic, they're leaning in over their skis. That's a real good time to kind of get back over, right over your skis and go, no, 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 no. Everybody's too euphoric. The atmosphere has changed. I want to get a little bit back. I want to be a little more cautious. And vice versa. When people are way back on their skis, they're way too cautious in business life, way too, they're way back. Again, the atmospherics have changed. Everybody's being way too cautious. Now I'm gonna take a little bit of risk. I'm gonna take appropriate risk here. I'm gonna lean forward a little bit into a business deal. So that's kind of how I've, I've, I've taken this thing with the Marine Corps and with boating and really applied it into some of these businesses I'm going into now. What are your thoughts on that, gentlemen? That's, I, that's open us for, for the next discussion, which is, taking a little bit more risk, which is going into private aviation. And I'd like, love to get Justin's thoughts. How do you, because I, I would love, my goal someday is actually, I love the Pilatus, but a Cessna citation, or sorry, not, a, right? Cessna produces citation? No, Lear, who produces citation? I forget. Cessna. Cessna citation. Oh, Cessna. Okay, yeah, Cessna citation. That's that's like, oh man, such a, such a sexy aircraft. Just you, just you talking about it, man. I'm just like, wow, that's, that's it. Sounds so dreamy. So, how do you go from just in your opinion? How do you go from from the 206? And are you familiar with the 206 or no? I, I am. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Great. So, how do you go from like the caravan of the sky to a plot? Obviously, it's it's cash flow. But how do you go in terms of how do you get into private aviation? You're thinking about creating another option. How do you get into it? Well, you know, first off you need to understand like what your operating costs are going to be. Um, for example, 
I had a, a, a venture that I was looking into with a couple pilots because I, I was a you know aviation major, and, and folks who joined the commercial industry were were really looking to how they were to you know kind of maneuver in in this new space uh, with COVID. And at the time, it seems as though you know people were you know reluctant to travel in commercial aviation. So he was considering you know building a business based off of you know just kind of more you know un unique uh smaller planes that would get people from point a to point b without all the the interaction with with crowds of folks seemed seemed like a great 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 opportunity when you start peeling things back you have to understand what your fuel costs are, what your your maintenance costs are going to be, how many hours you can get out of that plane uh, before it needs to go through a maintenance cycle. These are all things that are going to affect your bottom line. So before moving into any platform, you need to consider one: what what do I want to do? What what am I aiming to do? You know, do do I want to do short, you know, two hour hops in a local regional area are is my goal longer legs you know far-reaching places and, and that that would determine you know the platform that you should choose you know so uh, I, I i would look at it for what is the mission you know like you know like just just like we learned in the marine corps like let's start at the end you know and then, and then, the then, then work it back to this Yeah, what is the mission profile? You know, what is your mission profile? If you're flying to New Zealand, a Pilatus, yeah, technically, if Pilatus will get you down to New Zealand, it's going to be a lot of hops, you know, up to Alaska, over to China, I guess Russia, China, all the way down through uh, Japan, Indonesia, I guess Philippines, Indonesia, uh, Australia, and on to New Zealand. You could technically do it in a Pilatus, but there's a, there's an asset for that mission profile that's way better to get from, let's say, the West Coast of the United States down to New Zealand. If you're just hopping between L.A. and Jackson Hole, Jackson Hole to Nashville, Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee to, let's say, Wilmington, North Carolina, a Pilatus will get the job done. And you're going to do it with a, a way less fuel costs, maintenance costs, uh, hangar costs, pilot. Uh, you, you need really one pilot to fly a Pilatus. And, and, you know, you and I, 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 I want to get I want to get certified in it, but I also know that's not my full time gig. I want to hire a young man. You know, probably ex Navy pilot, ex Marine pilot that can fly. You know, when when the weather, yeah. There you go, there you go, Justin. You got your first first uh, side hustle uh, for, with uh, teaching Mario how to fly. When the weather's blowing sideways, you know, in Jackson Hole, it's it's like okay, I'm gonna turn it over to a pro. Like let's let's not kid ourselves here. Like that's what this guy's getting paid for is when the chips are down, he's gonna safely get you to you know he's gonna shoot that approach and safely put you on the ground. When it's blue skies and everything's good, yeah, I want to get I want to log a few hours. I'll do a few landings, touch and goes. But uh, yeah, I think a Pilatus for me, a Pilatus will work, but there's, I mean, a, yeah, stuff. if you can afford a Cessna Citation, you can cross oceans and that, that just opens up the world for you. It's another option. And Justin, what did, so finishing your story, what, uh, what did you decide with those guys? So I got it like from both of what you guys are saying, it's the mission, then determining your expenses. What did you what did you decide with those those individuals, your friends, in terms of starting a business? Yeah, so in in terms of starting a business, it, it, 
once we start peeling the layers back and and really trying to understand hangar costs and, and where we base it out of, what's the most central location uh, for everyone, because we all lived in different places. We, we, we then understood that it would be a little bit harder to pull off. Um, so from, from that aspect, you need to understand that doing the mission, once you start your planning, that's what we were doing. We were doing planning. We, we, we came to the realization that it was not going to work with, with the operating costs, basing of the plane, et cetera. Uh, so we decided to to not go through uh, with with that particular deal, uh, given that it was a good idea and, you know, a good way to hedge. But it, it made more sense for if general aviation, you know, I just want to go fly around and visit my family and, and we all collaborated on the hours that would get 100 hours, you know, for, you know, less than ten thousand uh, dollars that made sense but it didn't make sense for the the commercial business aspect uh and moving folks around for hire what platform were you guys looking at to purchase it, it was a it was a king gear sweet oh three three fifty and you've been checked out on a king Air, right uh not quite i can but uh i'm i may it, it is. I'm like, do I want to do the same uh, flight profile and fly for six hours, or do I just want to go fly for three and a half hours and you know go home? I think we know the answer to that. Um, that's awesome. So, so what what I'm hearing from both from both you all is, in terms of general aviation, understand your mission, understand the expenses, and then also understand if you're going to do a, t a time like a timeshare then understand where where each where you all are located can you set it up to where it works it's probably easier if everyone's in one spot one location then you just go grab the plane but if you're in different locations like ferrying the plane back and forth that gets a little more challenging and it starts upping the hours for other guys ferrying the plane so it's it's it, it what we're doing here is we're anyone that's listening to this podcast we're, we're inspiring you to get the process started don't don't let the obstacles stop you start looking at what justin and mario said and then over time you'll determine what's workable for you exactly Warner. so what you for the younger uh, nephews out there that are listening to this podcast it's about putting something down on paper and then figuring out how to pay for it so it's about being like okay I want to get to this level. I want to dream big. I want to think big and I want to get to this level. Okay. Here's, here's all the costs. Here's the acquisition cost, which is really just about half the, half the price of the, of the platform. Then you got to maintain it and run it around and hang it. So get those costs on a piece of paper and look at it and go, okay, I want, I want, I want to experience this in my life. How do I pay for it? And then, and then when I want to do pay for it, how do I upgrade? How do I upgrade every five years or 10 years? How do I, how do I move to the next level? And it's, it's basically just a goal. It's a, it's something out. It's a carrot out in front of you and it's going to make you work harder. And, and Mario, you, you bring up such a great point. Like the question, the question you should all ask yourself is how, and, and what how does, and not just because my last name is how, uh, <laughs> it, it, it really, it, it, it really opens up another level. You know, the, the idea of your brain 
you know, understanding that the smell, the touch, the taste, that the feel of things versus your mind and your mind deals in the untangibles. So you have to feed your mind. You feed your mind with the planning process. You feed your mind with the information. Then you allow your mind and your subconscious to work on these problems behind the scenes. And then you have your eureka moments. And the eureka moments are the things that you put in your mind that your mind is processing and working on because you say, how do I get this? How do I attain this? And then eventually you figure it out. But it's only because you're feeding your mind, not your brain. Okay, another another one to, that Warner kind of constantly challenges me on is, is basically having a good running mate, having a good running partner. So Warner challenges me almost weekly, if not monthly, with something to change, change my language, change my approach, change my results change my goals and i basically got a guy that's a, a faster runner than me I've, I've made friends with a dude that i could actually can outrun me and it's a challenge i'm constantly I, and i think there might be one or two areas in my life where i'm challenging warner but mostly i found a good running mate that's going like again why are we doing this podcast because a couple of months ago he threw a challenge out challenge my way and i'm like i don't know how i'm gonna do that and i started having to think because of the challenge i had to start thinking how do i do that how do I do, how do I get in front of this guy? There's a guy out in the Pacific Northwest that I want to stand in front of. I don't have his phone number. Don't know where he lives. I know where he does business. I want to get in front of this guy and offer him a deal. I'm like, how am I going to get in front of this, this man who lives in Bend, Oregon and pitch him? And Warner's like, we're going to do a podcast. I'm like, giddy up. How do we do it? He's like, buy an iPad. We're jumping on Clubhouse. We're going live. I'm like, roger that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was. It was interesting, Justin, because what you said is is really it's it's how you know your mind. It's Mario saying you know the language, the language you put into your mind drives your actions. So if you're unsure about something, yet you go put some some language into your mind, your mind will figure it out. Even if you don't know how to do it, you just go, hey, you know, I'm committed to getting assess a citation. I'm not quite. I mean, I, you can back plan out how you're going to do it, right? You know. Okay, it's 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 I don't know five hundred thousand dollars a year to operate. Okay, I know I got to make five hundred thousand a year. You can back plan it all out, and then and then you're gonna you're gonna have twists and turns to get there. But the fact that you put it in your mind, you're gonna figure it out. You're gonna plan it out. So that, yeah, that's an excellent point. That's a phenomenal point. In, in part two of that, Warner is just action, right? Action. Oh, you're speaking. You're speaking butter, it, butter to me, it, man. It, and, and not not over analyzing, but you know jumping in when you know enough, you know then then you you figure out the the rest of the way. You know some some subscribe to you know having the perfect parachute, and others subscribe to hey just jumping out and building my parachute on the way down. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I I've, I've been sharing Justin with Mario what I learned in that in that landmark training, which is where. Where you create you create your final measurable results like I'm gonna you know have a such citation then you back plan it out and like you're saying right it's not like you, you can back plan out really well the more you think about it but you don't want to get caught in this has to go perfectly this way because there's gonna be you want to be flexible there's gonna be a hundred different ways it may go throughout the process and you want to be able flexible but at the end you re- reach your measurable result that's the most important part. It's that measurable result. That's what we can all say. Hey, I want to be a marine pilot, or 
Marine Infantry Officer or a special citation, you'll you'll get there. And it's it's that journey along the way, which is was actually is the funnest part. It it, it it certainly is, Warner. And part the part that I think about the most is that I'm not afraid because I'm used to being flexible. I'm used to conf- having obstacles put in front of me, <laughs> and, and consistently, yeah. consistently, daily, I navigate obstacles. That's just what I'm paid to do. They could pay us. They could pay you more. <laughs> but when you... All right, Warner, I want to kind of close on this last topic is that if you've got a really nice pickup truck, you've got some sort of private aviation asset in your life, maybe it's a 206, a Pilatus, or a Cessna Citation, and you've got a boat, what's going to happen is you probably are going to have a pretty soft life. You probably figure out the financial aspects, and now you're moving with ease. And that can kind of create a weak life so how do you how do you warner schedule your day where you can suffer and endure a little little piece of your day not that you have to suffer and endure but you're going to do it with joy you're going to put your lace you're going to lace up your boots or your shoes and go out there and suffer and endure. how do you how do you schedule that in your week i mean there's different ways i know how you're going to do it mario the, the way i i would do it is i would just create like huge days i i would I would throw things against the wall each day or maybe each week where it's like, I have no idea how I'm going to get that done. And I just, I guess the answer to your question, create, create super big challenges that just, just cause you, you can suffer. I mean, you can suffer like I know you hunting and you're out there like sweating and working. That's one way to suffer, but you can also suffer or challenge mentally. And when you, when you throw yourself like huge things, throw huge curveballs at yourself that you've never accomplished before. That's how you do it on the mental, on a mental scale. You, you just play, you play big every single day, bigger than you think you can. That's how I do it. Where you're outside your comfort zone each day. Yeah. So I think I have the physical down where basically I'm going to set my life up where I do, I, I suffer for 10 days a year, but I have to train for it all year round. So I book a, I book a elk hunt in Wyoming or Oregon or Idaho, Montana, et cetera. And I train for that event all year long and I go out for 10 days and I get blisters and I sleep on the ground and I, and I hunt from sun up to sun down and I, I put that suffering into my life. So I build that resilience. I build that mental strength. But uh, going back to just brilliance and the basics, once you have this real estate hustle down or once you have this private business hustle down, how do you keep challenging your mind so that you're building neuroplasticity and synapses in your mind to, uh, to keep sharp? I haven't quite figured that game out is how I'm going to keep challenging myself mentally. Once I figure out this hustle, any thoughts, Justin? I have a couple. Um, first would, would be, what, what, what is your end goal? You know, the, the, the scale and the scope of, you know, what you aim to achieve, whether that is to rapidly move up, and the the real estate industry buying a uh, a single uh, move into a duplex then a fourplex and I'm buying you know a ten unit apartment followed by a twenty so your stack you know if that's something that you would like to you know achieve then it would be a, important to have in your initial plan so that would be more like when I begin, I know where I want to end up. The 
important part about that is how how do you get there and and getting there could be difficult if you try to tackle the whole goal all at once and, and my approach is pretty deliberate deliberate in the scheduling of the time that I intend to work on that because I have so many things that go on from day to day and, and I'm a bit of a uh, constructionist. Well, I have a very short attention span. I could be working on something and hear something and it just grasps my attention. So I, I have to be deliberate about that. It, you know, I see the, the shiny object and, and I'm distracted. So I have to be deliberate about my time and be deliberate about my actions. Additionally, I can't look at the whole goal. I have to I have to tackle it bit by bit, you know, and like how do you eat the elephant is one bite at a time. And and similarly, uh how, how do you navigate, you know, driving in the fog? You know, you, you just see what your headlights will show you. But eventually you'll get to your destination. Yeah, that's that's a great point, Justin. So to to kind of tie in what Mario and Justin were both saying, Justin's talking about what people will have a tendency to do is they'll create this huge plan and then they get so overwhelmed by the finality of that plan that they never take step one, nor step two, nor step three. They're just overwhelmed versus eating the elephant one bite at a time and doing that deliberately. And then to answer your question, Mario, how do you keep challenging yourself? It's, it's actually really simple. You just keep creating, but you keep creating bigger. Keep creating, okay, now I got... A, you know, a fishing boat. Okay, now I'm going to go, I don't know, I'm going to go buy an oil tanker. <laughs> I know you're not going to do that, but you go big. You keep going big or you or you go into another realm. Now I'm going to do a hunting camp. I've done that before, right? The way you challenge yourself is you, you, you do what Justin said. You keep getting proficient at each level and then you go bigger. You go fourplex because the, the, the excitement isn't actually in, in like getting to the fourplex. It's, it's the, the process, eating the elephant one bite at a time. So it's really just continually creating. You're creating something new that challenges yourself. It could be anything, but you just keep you keep going bigger and bigger and bigger, or you go laterally into something else. The relationships you build with other people, that's the true joy. So you, I go bigger and I meet this, you know, I meet, I meet this other guy or I meet this project manager or property manager. And it's, it's just, it's really the relationships you create. So as you keep creating, you keep meeting more and more people and you keep being impacting other people's lives. That's what I think. I know we're kind of getting deeper, but that's what I think the true joy is. It's it's going bigger and then you're a stand for other people to go bigger and you create other relationships and it just keeps it keeps crescendoing out. That's that's how I look at it. Thank you for listening to the Red to Black podcast. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you would like to connect with us in the future, you can find us on LinkedIn. Simply search for Warner Minchel or Mario Parzino. Also, you can find a link to our LinkedIn profiles in the profile section of the podcast. Thank you again for listening and we look forward to connecting with you in the future.